Welcome to the Anonymous Andrew Podcast. Life and the choices we make. The choices other people make. Why we choose to ignore the red flags. Red flags like gaslighting, cheating, addiction, mental illness, and much more. What role do they play in relationships? Follow me each week as we discuss these topics with anonymous guests and experts to hopefully become better humans, resulting in better choices. Like I say, been there, still doing that. Now on to the show. Well, hello everybody. Anonymous Andrew here. Episode 4. So I have a special episode for you today. Um, I've been looking for a guest to come on and talk about their relationship or relationships and the red flags and how they dealt with them and if they had any issues like I had, uh, ignoring the red flags or choosing to ignore them or being sucked into the deception and vortex of gaslighting, etc. And there was somebody I immediately had in mind, but I went back and forth and back and forth in my mind. Do I want to do this? Do I want to do this? So I reached out to this person and I talked to him. And um, as it turns out, he was more than willing to do this because he's in the exact same spot that I am, almost down to the exact same time frame. Um, his relationship ended, uh, some time ago, like four or five months ago, give or take, I, he'll tell you the story. Um, it is my son. I have three boys and this is my middle son. All right. And, um, what's another unique concept about this is how far does the apple fall from the tree? So you're going to hear the nuances of what he went through and they are they mirror me identically. Um I'm it's almost like listening to myself 30 years ago. So um anyway, I uh, just wanted to give you a little intro there about what you're about to hear. And this will probably be a two-part episode because there's a lot to talk about. So on to episode four. Okay, welcome to Anonymous Andrew Podcast. We are in episode four. And as promised in my intro, I have a surprise for you. Um, my son, Sean, is joining us. Okay, so Sean, say hello. Hello, everybody. So I, I I have to tell you, folks, I, I battled this in my mind back and forth, whether to go to him or even to put him on the spot. And, and he seemed to be OK with it. And, and then, of course, the question was to whether or not to hide his anonymity and just have him on as a guest and be somebody else. But um, we considered the fact that there is a uh, apple doesn't fall far from the tree syndrome going on here. So we figured we want to factor that in so all right sean why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself your background and how you got here um so as previously mentioned i'm sean um i work in the mental health field studying uh psychology and sociology um and regardless of all of that i still make mistakes <laughs> <laughs> so uh you know just goes to show as you said the apple does not fall far from the tree so uh i guess if we're going to start from the beginning um, I was raised with four parents to two divorce. Um, so I had a stepdad and a stepmother as well. Um, and then even during all of that, I got to watch my father uh, go out on dates and date as he was going and growing up in those environments. I learned from observation of those behaviors of what I thought at the time was acceptable or normalized to me. Um, to fast forward a little bit, um, one of my first experiences with relationships, I was dating multiple women at once, uh, which soon exploded in my face and learned that is not the right thing to do. And then from there on, I decided I wasn't going to do that anymore and I was going to start doing things better. 
and somehow I chose women that were not healthy for me. Um, and in hindsight, after studying all of what I've studied in school and life lessons and hindsight, um, that I was picking women that were either battling with mental disorders or toxicity or broken homes as well, um, which really just comes down to uh, we accept the love that we think we deserve. So um, we'll call her girl number one. Uh, she was somebody that I was highly infatuated with. She ended up throwing herself at me first. A very pretty girl. Um, and we dated briefly in our early mid-teens. And we got more serious in college. We circled back uh, when I was in college. Uh, she reached back out to me. And, um, she moved in with me while I was in school. So she left her home state to come to my state of where I was in school. And um, that relationship very quickly became very toxic. Um, she was cheating on me with people back home and sending pictures and nudes and hiding things from me and telling me that because I was in school and I wasn't home enough, so then I would make more time to make her a priority. And then she would flip it on me and say that I'm home too much, which I learned meant that's when she was cheating or talking to other guys because I was now getting in her way and catching her and all of this. So she couldn't do what she wanted to do. Um, but since she was living with me and moved in with me, I felt guilty. So when my friends would say, Oh, come out, I'd be like, well, you know, this girl's really depressed and, um, she moved her whole life down here for me. So I, you know, I, I want to be home with her and she doesn't want to go out. So I'll just stay home. And I was really neglecting my friends and my social life. And some of those people I'm still friends with today, some of them I'm not. Um, and it really kind of sucks because some of them are really quality people that I wish I stayed in contact with. You know, and that re that resonates with my episode too, when I talk about when I was immersed in a relationship, how I cut out my family and friends. So yeah, same thing. <clears throat> um, so yeah, I think that episode was about the choices we make, right? So correct. Um, yeah, it's poor choices for the wrong people. Um, after I graduated, she wanted to move back home and she gave me the excuse that her mother was sick and her dad just fell and broke his arm because he was an alcoholic and tripped and fell down the stairs. And I was enrolled into grad school and I gave it all up and I said, yeah, well, if you want to go home and we're going to be together, let's, let's do this. And um, during that year and change that we lived together, uh, it was very toxic, a lot of fighting. Cops were called on us multiple times by neighbors for noise complaints with the screaming. Um, and there was even times where I would say, you know what, like, I don't want to sleep in the bed with you tonight. I'll sleep on the couch. And she would come downstairs and sit next to the couch and be like, please come upstairs. Please come upstairs and beg me. And I'm like, why would I want to be with you when I just caught you cheating on? Me? I don't want to sleep in the same bed with you. And I can't kick you out of my house. You won't leave and all this other stuff. And, you know, I just accepted it. And, you know, other potential relationships that came about with girls in school that were interested in me that I passed by because I was living with this girl who again I felt guilty she moved her whole life down for me and all that fun stuff so um, is, it, is it fair to say that you were loyal to her but she wasn't loyal to you correct and then <clears throat> after moving back two months after living with her she broke up with me and I was like I gave up grad school for this I was getting a custom-made engagement ring for her don't ask me why um, after knowing everything and how bad it was, I guess what it really comes down to is, you know, I just finished my degree in psychology and sociology. So I thought, well, she's struggling mentally and I now equipped and know how to handle this. So if we can get her the proper help, then we can make this relationship work. Uh, fast forward to today or one of my more recent relationships, we can call her girl number three, same situation or with any or girl number two also same situation. So after she broke up with me, uh, I moved in, I moved to another state, I moved in with my aunt and uncle to try to get my life back together, get on my feet, um, start a new career path. And my whole goal while moving up there was to focus on myself, get back to being who I was. Um, I became Buddhist at 16 years old. And I definitely fell off the path after being with this girl. 
Um, I was met, I used to meditate every day. I used to practice a lot of the religion um, very closely. And once she got involved, girl number one got involved. I, I lost all of that. I lost my self identity. Um, I was basically living to please her, which she was not doing anything to reciprocate that for me. So um, again, I lost my friends and other potential opportunities, including grad school. Um, so when I moved up to my aunt and uncle's house, uh, they were very strict with me about not dating and being in a relationship with anybody because they said, you know, you moved up here for a career and a single purpose. So we don't want to see you make the same mistakes, uh, which I'm assuming you, dad, have gave them the heads up of part of the reason why I moved up there was to get away from girl number one. Um, yeah. So and, and, and I just want to explain to the audience that we're, we're recording this on Zoom so I can see Sean. And, and, and as he explained some of the things he just talked about, I was shaking my head because I did the same thing. I was pleasing. I was giving. I was doing all the things that I was excluding my interests, my what I like to do for this person. So you can't see me, but I'm just like nodding my head and rolling my eyes because that's exactly what I did. So, and yes, we sent, we sent Sean up to my sister's place uh, so he could get away from the drama and start fresh. So I continue. Yeah. So I moved up there to try to become a police officer, actually. And I figured with my degree and um, I did start college with a double major in criminal justice and psychology so it was always a passion of mine to be in that field um but anyway uh so i moved up there you know i took the exam i did really well on it blah 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 um, my job that i was at that time transferred me up it was a big corporate job so it transferred me to the location up in that area so i got to keep that job full-time in the meantime at that job i met girl number two um who is going to be the biggest part of the story because she's been involved for the most time. Um, but, you know, so I saw this girl, she was new hire. It was probably a month or two after I was living up there. Um, she worked relatively close to where, to where I was working. And I asked her out on a date one day because she seemed like this pretty little innocent girl. Um, so I asked her out on a date and she said, oh, I'm so sorry, I have a boyfriend. And I said, oh, I, my apologies. You know, like, I figured this is my chance to start clean and not get involved with any toxicity or drama. And then, um, and I said, oh, I apologize. You know, I don't want to step on your toes. I don't want to rustle any feathers or whatever. And she goes, no, but we can still hang out. And then my thought process immediately changed to, oh, she's a whore. And then I thought, well, I'm not here to date. So I might as well enjoy it while I can. I'm single. I'm not doing anything wrong. She's the one cheating. So we did. We hooked up a few times and eventually she broke up with her boyfriend and demanded that I have to be her boyfriend now. And I said, well, I can't for multiple reasons. One, because I don't want to date somebody who just cheated on their boyfriend. Two, I'm living up here. My aunt and uncle are prohibiting me from dating anybody. And three, uh, I'm trying to focus on a career. I, I got other priorities but we can continue to hang out. We continue to see each other. Um, she asked me if we can at least be exclusive then. I said, sure, because again, my priorities were just focusing on a career. Um, but then exclusivity turned into, I want a title. And she kept always circling back to it. I want, I want to be your girlfriend. I want to be your girlfriend. I said, I can't do it. So then she decided to go sleep around with other people at the store that we worked at. Um, so then I decided, you know, if she wants to break this exclusivity clause, then I'm gonna hook up with other people too. So I did, there was another girl at that same job that was also interested in me. So I decided, you know, if she's gonna sleep around then I'll sleep around. And there was another girl that worked at a, a local restaurant that was interested in me. I only knew that because she kept giving me free food and flirting with me every time I came in. So we hung out a bunch of times and then everything just kind of blew up. And I don't know why I didn't just walk away from this girl the minute she said, I have a boyfriend, and you know, there was a, a big red flag there and I just ignored it. Right. Uh, she was pretty and willing and fun and, you know, entertaining. And I was bored. Uh, like I said, I was up there to become a police officer. I did like 42 interviews in a year. 
And uh, so it was a lot of just studying and interviewing. And um, I don't know if anybody listening knows the process of becoming an officer, but there's a lot of uh, physical fitness tests involved. So after work, I would be going to the gym, um, working out, getting my cardio up, because you got to do a lot of running, push-ups, sit-ups, things like that, just to pass um, after the written exam. And she would join me in the gym just to spend some time with me. After the gym, we would hook up, and then I'd end up coming home late to my aunt and uncle's house, sneaking in at one, two in the morning, and they weren't happy with me, but they never confronted me about it. But they would do it in ways of like, you know, here's some more chores for you, blah, blah, blah. And like, I wasn't allowed to have people over. I, I could bring friends over, but I wasn't allowed to bring dates over or because I also had cousins that lived there and they said I'm the eldest. So I had to set an example for them as well, which I completely agree with. Um, however, I wasn't doing that. So um, back to the main topic. Yeah. So I was ignoring a lot of red flags, uh, knowing her situation and how she was raised. Uh, she was living with her grandmother. Her father was in jail. Her mother uh, left her with her grandparents and didn't really come back for her. Um, so she came from a very broken home as well. And again, I don't, I don't know if it was a factor of I can save this girl, I can help her. But in the beginning, it was just it was fun, entertaining. It's just filling my downtime, um, which really did distract me from progressing a lot. Uh, so that went on for about a year. Um, probably halfway through that year, we had a big conversation, long talk. Somehow I ended up falling in love with this girl through all the toxicity and fighting and drama. Um, so we decided, you know what, let's just be together. We'll just get the title going. You can be my girlfriend. And I would still find out that she was lying to me and being dishonest. So one time after work, I was driving to her house saying, oh, yeah, I'm on my way home. I was going to surprise her and just be cute and romantic and all that jazz. Um, and she's like, yeah, I'm just laying in bed and going to sleep. And then I get to her house and her car's not there. So then I call her out and I said, oh, well, I'm at your house. And she freaked out. She's oh, my God, I'll be right there. She comes rushing home. You know, 10 minutes later, she's at, she's at the house. And turns out she was at her ex-boyfriend's house. To this day, she still claims that they were not having sex. They were just hanging out as friends. I don't believe it because everything she's ever told me is a lie. Um, and uh, as I said before, we accept the love that we think we deserve. So looking at her, she wasn't raised in a very loving family. She was neglected a lot emotionally. Um, so she would try to get love and attention from anybody who was willing to give it to her. And if that meant running back to her ex while I was working or not available on our days off, then that's what she was doing. Um, eventually, uh, after that year, the cop thing never panned out. So I moved back to my home state and I cut ties with her immediately after leaving. She got pregnant with her ex that she cheated on with, that she was with before I was with her. So which proves that she was sleeping with him. Or if she wasn't, you know, if she started to the minute I left. Okay. Um, but yeah, probably was continuing to sleep with him. Um, so I said, you know what? You know, she's got a kid now. She's pregnant, all that jazz. So I'm just going to go back to focusing on myself. Um, during, right before I left, I was venting to a friend that I went to high school with about the whole police thing, about not getting a job. Um, and she said, well, dude, your degree's in psychology. Why aren't you not looking for jobs in the psych fields? And she gave me a, a list of places to cold call. And one of them was like, hey, when can you start? And I said, oh, I can, you know, I'm ready to pack up and move back home. So uh, I can start in two weeks, three weeks. So I did, I moved back home and, uh, that's basically exactly what happened. So I started working back to focusing on myself and um, I got really this, close with one. This time you're back home in our state. Correct. Right. Okay. <clears throat> um, and um, I was living back at my mom's house at the time, I think. And um, 
you know, work was going well, they trained me and it's still the field that I'm in today. So I'm very grateful for that job and that opportunity and that friend that um, told me to reach out to that place. But during, while working at that job, I became very close with one of my coworkers who was a female and she was really cool and funny. And we started hanging out outside of work. She also had a boyfriend. Um, let me just preface something. Majority of my friends are females, um, most of whom are just platonic friends. Um, I have slept with maybe about a handful of my female friends and we've been able to maintain friendships since. Um, and I'm, I would say I'm pretty good at reading which ones can maintain friendships after something like that and which ones can't. So, you know, it's kind of getting a little off topic, but um, so I figured this is just going to be another female friend because that's something I'm used to. Um, so as we were hanging out, the more we hung out, the more I saw she's getting a little more flirtatious with me. Um, and then she would start to complain about her boyfriend with me. And, you know, one night we hung out a little too late and we ended up cuddling on the couch and making out. And then she goes, this is wrong. We shouldn't do this. And I said, I completely agree with you. Um, and then she broke up with her boyfriend and said, we can still hang out. I ended up dating that girl for three years. Um, she was diagnosed with borderline personality disorder. Um, so the girl that I was just talking about that I was seeing for about a year, uh, never had a formal diagnosis. I do know today that she also has BPD. Um, but anyway, back to this girl. Um, but she was a therapist. So I thought, well, a therapist with BPD is probably more self-aware than somebody who's just from a broken home, only to find out this girl was also from a divorced family in a broken home, a lot of ne emotional neglect. And here I am thinking, well, now that I'm finally working in a field where I understand myself and this girl's in therapy and taking her medication, she's more stable than any of the other relationships I've had, so this can work. And uh, six months into that relationship, we got into a huge fight and I said, we're just not compatible. This isn't healthy. And I saw the red flags in the beginning there and I ignored all of those. And I broke up with her after six months and I went crawling back for some reason. I mean, I did have to continue to work with her to be fair. So I did have to see her on a regular basis. It wasn't as easy to get away from her as I wanted it to be. Um, and kind of just to make work not awkward. I was like, it's easier for just together and, you know, just swallow my pride and do whatever she wants kind of thing. Just people please. Uh, just to make the relationship work. Six months later, about a year into it, uh, we broke up again. Um, same thing. Sounds so familiar. And <laughs> <laughs> um, I just kept saying we're not we're not compatible. Um, and we broke up a handful of times over the three years. Uh, towards the end of the relationship, I was looking at engagement rings with her as well. I was actually looking at houses. Um, and we had money. We talked about marriage and kids and all that stuff during the relationship. And I realized that once the wedding talk got more serious, I started trying to plan it out with her. And then I was looking at houses. She wouldn't come look at houses with me. And that's when I realized she was pulling away. Um, and we got into a big fight about that. And she told me that every time we broke up, she went out and slept with somebody else and that she did cheat on me once other time. She also constantly accused me of cheating on me, of me cheating on her. Um, and then the girl before that, that wanted the relationship that I couldn't give her. I said, I'll be exclusive with you, but I can't be your boyfriend. She also accused me of hooking up with other people, which I never did, which again, in hindsight, only made me realize that they were the ones fooling around and just projecting onto me. Um, so after that three-year relationship, you know, I guess the marriage and the house got too real for her. And she realized, I don't want to be with this guy for whatever reasons, maybe because she felt guilty for all of it, or she was done with the manipulation or tired of the fighting. I don't know. But she eventually decided, I don't want to continue this. And I said, that's great, because this was never healthy to begin with. So let's just break it off. Um, after that, um, stupid me went back to the other girl who now has a three-year-old daughter at that time and um so that's girl number two yeah yeah so i went back to girl number two um probably just out of comfort 
Um, I did go through a pretty deep depression and um, I put myself into a hospital uh, for some concerns. And uh, which I found out later, you actually were the one to message girl number three and told her not to come visit me, which I'm, I'm grateful for now. I was very uh, angry about at the time when I found out. Um, actually, I don't know if we've ever discussed that. No, this is actually the first time I did. did so I texted girl number three. Oh, she messaged her on Facebook or something. And yeah, I think she said something along the lines of like, should I go visit him? And you told her not to. I vaguely remember that. Yes. Yeah. And I found out later, I never talked to you about it actually. So here we go. <laughs> um, but well, was that the right decision? Yes. In hindsight, it was definitely the right decision. Yeah. It was, I, there was no reason for her to be back in my life. Um, she's married now. She's doing very well from what I've heard from other people. And we have some mutual friends still. Um, and I, I could not be happier for her. So whatever, she can live her life and not cross my path and things would be great. Um, so I went back to girl number two um, and girl number two was very concerned about my mental health. So she was driving down from her state to my state, which was a five hour drive each way every other weekend just to come hang out with me and check in on me. So here I am thinking, oh, here's a girl that actually cares about me and loves me and wants to make sure my well-being is there. Because at the time, I didn't know you messaged girl number three. So I just thought she didn't care and just disappeared. Um, but since I was freshly out of a relationship that was also toxic and I just got out of the hospital, I thought, here's a great time to be single again and just focus on myself. And I went back to being uh, what people call uh, a fuckboy. And I just was sleeping with everybody and anybody I could. Um, I had a rotation of girls from my home state that I always knew that I could sleep with and I just would cycle through them. So girl number two was back to, uh, I want to be your girlfriend. I want a title. And I said, I honestly don't want to do long distance. Um, and I appreciate you driving down here every week and you know, you're always going to be my number one girl, but you know, I'll make you priority. But when you leave the state, I, I'm going to go live my life. I don't want to be back into another relationship. Our relationship wasn't good the first time. The relationship after you wasn't good. And I don't foresee it changing. So I uh, did not treat her well in that sense. I can say that it's definitely my fault. Um, but I was trying to establish boundaries and protect myself and my heart because I didn't want to get hurt again by her. Which I guess since we're on that topic, I should say one thing I learned in life. If you don't establish boundaries in the beginning, you cannot establish them ever because they will just break right through them. They don't care, especially narcissistic women or women with BPD. Um, they will just walk right through it and walk all over you. They know the buttons to push. They know what to say. They know how to seduce you. And we fall for it every time. And that's almost the definition of gaslighting. Um, yeah. Um, because I... If you listen to episode to the audience, if you listen to episode two, the red flags, I tried to establish boundaries early on. Um, and like Sean just said, uh, actually, it wasn't early on, it was four months in. And I tried to, uh, it was a trip to the trip to Florida she made, and I put my foot down. And then when she was down there, she was sending me inappropriate photos of her and the guy that she was visiting. And, and I said, this is not acceptable. And I don't think this is the kind of relationship I want. And like Sean said, she broke right through that barrier, that boundary that I established. She came back and said, if you don't want me, somebody else will take your place. And and I, I did not see that coming. And, um, and then we so panic. Yeah. yeah. And then we say, oh, no, 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 no. I, I'm the one you want. I'll fix it. Yeah. <laughs> Why? Yeah. Why? This is the question. Why do we do that? We, I think we, it comes down to the love we deserve. We think we deserve. I don't know if yeah. it's not feeling, you know, like I said, I had four parents growing up. You would think that would mean I have more people loving me and giving me attention and raising me. But all it really did was make me feel more distant from everybody. Well, let's be transparent a little bit here without 
breaking anonymity. You did you did have four parents, but two of them were alcoholics. Mm-hmm. So there were four parents. I'm not I'm not saying which ones were step parents, but you you're correct. You had your biological mom and dad, and then you had a stepfather and a stepmother. Out of those four, two of them were alcoholics, and I'm one of them. So you so fifty wouldn't that make so, three of them alcoholics? <clears throat> Let's say, okay, let's, let me rephrase that. Two of them are alcoholics in recovery. I, I know what you're referring to. So uh, we, I can't label that third person. Well, of course I could, but I'm, I'm, I'm not going to label that person. Um, let's just rephrase the statement. Two of them are alcoholics in recovery and have attempted to put their lives back together. Um, Currently, so, yes, but not yeah. while I was growing up. No, 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 no. When you were growing up, and this is on me and my ex-wife, we, um, although there were many times in your middle teens um, that you would call me and, and mm-hmm. yeah, so c- come get me, so-and-so is passed out on the floor. Um he just got home from school and I would have to go get him and bring him home. But so, all right, let's just do a little recap here. There's so much going on here. So this is one of the reasons why, you know, the initial concept of the podcast was that, that I broke, I came out of a relationship and I don't know what happened. And, and so I started analyzing it over the past four months and it came down to a, I'm codependent. Um, B, I'm addicted to women. Um, like Sean, I, I, I need that love. I need that attention. I need that companionship, which is all, I guess, codependent um, definition. Um, and, and as Sean mentioned several times, he witnessed a lot of my behavior back in his early his adolescence his teenage years and in his in his 20s and he saw the kind of behavior that i was doing the kind of women i was dating so um he learned i i hope at this point the audience can hear some of the the very the similarities of choosing the wrong women so making poor choices once you identify that you're in a bad relationship you stay we we stayed you know even though you did break and and then when you said that i think it was girl number three broke up five times or four times that's the same thing that happened with my last relationship that we broke up four or five times there is so much similarity going on here and sean and i both stayed in this relation these relationships way past their expiration point <laughs> okay it's like bu- buying a box of eggs and the eggs expired six months ago and we still crack open the egg it the relationship expired a long time ago and we did not throw the eggs out <laughs> you know? well i would get these moments of clarity and say why am i doing this to myself this is unhealthy and that's why i would break up the relationship but during the breakup, I would be like, oh, I miss them. I miss the attention. I miss having some companion to go out and do fun things. I don't consider myself somebody as codependent because, you know, I live alone now <clears throat> and I love it. I wouldn't want it any other way. I have the option of having roommates, which would definitely help me financially, but I don't want that. I don't So personally, I don't identify as codependent, but I don't know what that need. And being Buddhist, I've learned to love myself. But I guess I never thought high enough of myself or that I could achieve more. And I'm learning that now at 34. I'm, I've refound my self-worth. Um, we spoke on the phone earlier today or yesterday. And uh, I've been on dates. And if I'm not getting what I need from these women or what I think or, or what my values are in a healthy relationship, I, I'll end it. Okay, let, let let me. By the way, I just <laughs> it's, I 
with a little levity here. Sean's eating his dinner, so I'm trying to, I'm I'm trying to interject. But I, I Sean just brought up a good point. So let me let me give him a chance to take a bite. But Sean is absolutely correct. I'm codependent. He's not. So there there are a lot of similarities between him and I in the dating behaviors. Um, the red flags, choosing to ignore them, staying in bad relationships, breaking up, bringing them back, or not bringing them back, going back to them or them coming back to us and, and accepting them. Um, and I did say to Sean in an earlier conversation that he has the opportunity at his age to see the mistakes that I have made and and that and I am very proud that well. In part two, I think what we'll do is we'll save the girlfriend number three story, the big crescendo for part two. Is that the one, the therapist? Are you talking about the one before that, girl number two? The one that you just broke up with. That's girl number two. So, oh, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. But I'm going chronological order. You're going in, okay? Yeah, because she not... <clears throat> has not left my life. So I guess we can preface it that way, right? So she was girl number two. I dated girl number three for three years, and then girl number two kept driving to see me, and then I still ended up doing my own thing, and we never lost contact. And we decided, I did eventually decide to try the long distance thing with her. Again, ignoring all the previous past toxicity and red flags. Um, uh, there was one thing I forgot to mention. So while I was living up there with my aunt and uncle, her dad got out of jail. And I met him. And um, he overdosed and passed away. But two days before that, him and I were having a conversation. And he said, I really like you for her. Um, can you promise me something that you'll always take care of her? And I said, yeah, sure. Not thinking anything of it. The next night we all had dinner together. He told me he was going to wake up early, make us all breakfast. I slept over at her house. That morning I found him dead in his room. It was awful. I guess he uh, relapsed or whatever. And that's when fentanyl came into the scene. It was like early. I don't remember what year this was, but. So, <clears throat> so when I, when I say, let's say part two to the, I guess the last couple of years when you moved, where you were, you went back down south and um, you tried to maintain that long distance relationship. <clears throat> what I'd like to hear from you is something that you talked about earlier that I was very um, impressed with. You did um, go on some dates recently, I think, or over the last over the last year and a half, and and you noticed some red flags, and yeah, you you ran, <laughs> yeah. So so t tell us about that. Um, this one girl I met on a dating app. Uh, she's a couple years older than me. We went on our first date. Even just the conversation before we got to the date was very bland. Um, it seemed like I was forcing the conversation more than she was trying. And that should have been my first flag to be like, I, she's not interested or she just doesn't have a good personality or whatever it is. Eventually we end up going out on a date. Uh, we go out to this, you know, restaurant on the water, whatever, nice area. First thing she does is complain to the waiter how the fan is too much in her hair and blah, blah, blah. And then she tells me she's getting her eggs frozen and she wants to have kids. And after the date, my friends asked me, like, how did the date go? And I said, there were some uh, lifeguard size red flags there. <laughs> um, but, you know, other than that, it was, I think it went pretty well. But I'll probably never see her again. And stupid me, bored and lonely because girl number two lives 1,200 miles away. And we were fighting all the time and toxic. So we broke up and I was like, I'm going to go try to move on. And so I went on that date with that girl. And despite the red flags, I figured, well, let me try some companionship with somebody who's local. And 
you know, our second date, she came over to my, my place. I made her dinner. Um, I am quite the cook, thanks to you. Um, so that always helps out. And, you know, we watched a movie, things were going well, she slept over. And I decided like, this is, this isn't good. Like, I don't know why I'm doing this. I don't enjoy the conversations with this girl. Um, she's very judgmental. She critiques everything. Um, she just judges people's looks all the time. She just Is this the one that comes from money? Yeah. So, um, you know, I don't know too much about her upbringing, but um, she still lives with her parents. She's 38 years old. She has a, a good job. She can definitely live on her own. She makes more money than I do. So if she wanted to, she could, but, you know, parents buy her beautiful Mercedes. So she doesn't have to pay anything. I was actually, so when I, one time I was at her house, she was like, oh, look at this brand new treadmill my dad bought me. And I was like, oh, cool. And then we're walking through the house. She's showing me the house. She goes, yeah, this is my old, only $200 treadmill. And I was like, I, I mean, okay, sometimes that's what people get. And then she shows me this gym. She has a whole gym inside of her house with a treadmill that her dad was using at the time. I was like, wait, so you made your dad buy you a treadmill. You already have a treadmill and you have a whole gym with a treadmill, whatever. It's off topic, but so, you know, she would just say like, oh, I just went to my friend's birthday party. All of her friends were really ugly. Um, we had another conversation. Um, she said she was reading something on the internet about people's kinks. And then she started like kink shaming people. And I was just like, I mean, you shouldn't do that. You don't know everybody's personal lives and, you know, you have your things and people have their own lives and it's just not fair to them to do that. Live and let and, live. <clears throat> yeah. Um, but it's just like a really ugly personality. Um, so I, I just kept wondering why I was going back to her at all. Um, I do know now it's just literally just for the companionship, just somebody to hang out with and watch TV with me when I'm well, bored. Let me ask you, but was, you literally um, said that you didn't enjoy her company or you didn't enjoy the conversations with her. So I don't, yeah. <laughs> but it's but somebody yet, who's interested in me. But yet you went back to I'm just pointing out what I would do. If I yeah. was bored and lonely and I, even though somebody, actually there is somebody that I know that in between one relationship, I, uh, you actually know her, but I'll tell you later. Uh, I would hang out with her, but she was annoying. Okay. And, yeah. um, but for, for reasons of loneliness, it was something to do, you know? Right. And I know now, you know, talking to my therapist and doing self-reflection and meditation that I didn't get enough attention that I wanted from my parents. I wanted more love from them. Um, even my mother, she would say like, oh, what do you want for your birthday? And I was just love and affection. And she's like, I'll buy you a scooter. And I was like, oh, okay, I guess. Or I'll help you with your student loans. I'm like, yeah, but that's not what I want. I just want some acknowledgement. I don't want gifts thrown at me. I want a hug every once in a while. I want somebody to be there and tell me they're proud of me for my achievements. And I never, I didn't really get that from you or, you know, I got it from my stepmom, but that was, I didn't see her all the time and it's few and far between. And then there's some resentment as well from when I lived with you, her and I fought all the time. So it wasn't really ideal. So I don't know. I just, I came from a home where I felt neglected emotionally um, or the lack of love, I should say. So when I have these women that are like really interested in me, I allow them to hang out yeah. with me. I know it's wrong. I know I'm technically using them um, just to get some needs met. But yeah, I can't, sometimes I can't stand their presence, but I'll allow them into my life just because they want to hold me while I'm watching a movie. What's that saying? Um stay with the devil that you know than the devil that you don't or, or something like that yeah, yeah. um you 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 you'd rather i guess the other side of that is keep your enemies close and your um your friends close and your enemies closer but um yeah but then i go on these dates and i see like oh i'm not compatible with this person or i don't like this about them so then where do i go i go back to running back to girl number two who i know yeah. is infatuated with me and will do anything for me and drop her plans for me at any time and 
I mean, I do love her, um, but I think I'm in love with a version of her that doesn't exist. I see uh, the potential of who she can be, mm -hmm. but she will not do the work. For years, I begged her to go to therapy to work on her childhood traumas, and she wouldn't with the excuse of, I don't have money, I can't afford it. She has this hardcore shopping addiction, so she's always shopping for clothes. I mean, you have the money, you're just refusing to put it in the right spots. Um, she eventually got into therapy after we broke up and uh, started making all these changes. And I'm, I throw my hands up in the air and I'm like, what the hell is this? I was trying to avoid all this fighting so we can have a healthy, non-toxic relationship. You work on your demons, I work on mine, and you know we can have that fantasy life that we've talked about, raising kids and buying a house and living in this beautiful area that I live in, you know. She complains to me all the time because she lives up in the in the north where it's cold. You know, we our most recent breakup was in December, but all of last year, um, you know, I, I bought her an engagement ring in the beginning of the year, only to find out that she was back to sleeping with her baby daddy. And then she started hooking up with one of her coworkers. Um, and I caught her lying about that one night. And I stayed. And yeah. I continued to fight for that relationship for a whole year, which drove me insane. And I, she made me feel like I was crazy. And that's what I want to cover in part two. That, because that's uh, that part of that relationship, I was in, I, I shouldn't say involved, but <clears throat> you and I were on the phone a lot. And I was mm -hmm. hearing the exact same thing that I was going through. And you just said something. I was in love with a version of... How did you say it? I was in love with a version of her that didn't exist. That didn't exist. And that was exactly what I was in in the last relationship I was in. <clears throat> she presented herself in the beginning of a relationship with a version that I fell in love with. That version quickly dissipated and she became somebody else. She went off and lived a private life. And um, I, I alluded to what I think she's up to. In, in in episode two we won't, we won't go there but i was in love with a version that didn't exist um and but if but if but it popped its head up every once in a while and i'd say oh it gives yeah. Hope. yeah yeah right so sometimes we'd have these conversations i'm really sorry i didn't mean to hurt you i'll never hurt you again I'm like oh finally we're making progress just to find out she's lying to me and she's going right back to her baby daddy or right back to the coworker. Some other version of lying it's a whack-a-mole like like mm -hmm. the, uh, the person that you love and you felt well, the one you fell in love with would surface every once in a while and you'd have to go catch it be before it disappeared and mm -hmm. it, 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 you never knew when it was coming <clears throat> and it could be a week or two weeks when that that person you loved disappeared and became another person and um then then the the version that you love would pop up again and it was this yeah. constant back and forth and it it, it makes it makes your head spin so and one of the biggest things she always used to say to me is you won't come meet my daughter and in my head with the psychology backgrounds i don't want to no. do that to your daughter yeah, i don't no. want to meet her no, meet no, some no. guy who's just going to up and leave because you can't get your shit together and uh I don't want her to be like, oh, you know, Sean's in my life. Now Sean's gone. Sean's back in my life. And now Sean's like, I don't want to do that to her. So I was like, I don't want to meet her until I know that we're going to be serious. Um, October on Halloween, I eventually decided, you know what? Let me go up and meet her. Because if that's the one thing she's saying needs to change, let's try it out. We went up there. We had a wonderful time. Her daughter's now six. Um, had a wonderful time together. Uh, we went to the park. We went trick-or-treating. That was whole the whole nine and it was great and her daughter absolutely loves me we talk on the phone a lot we facetime a lot or did rather um and apparently she still asks about me and you know i'm great with kids so that's not a surprise to me but um i just feel bad that her daughter is being raised I, in this environment and, and i agree 100 percent with what you said that you should not bring um a boyfriend girlfriend around your child um, especially if the relationship is completely unstable. I, 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 I'd like to wrap this episode up, um, but I want, to, I want you to say something that you said to me in Florida. 
I was in Florida with my last girlfriend. Remember the visit mm-hmm. when she left me down there? Yep. And I, uh, after I called her and found out that she was on an Amtrak train back home, or, or at least that's what she told me. And of course, to this day, I don't believe that. I went to your apartment. And um, one of the first things that you said to me, do you remember what it was? Probably you deserve better than this. No, you said to me something along the lines. And once I once I say it, you will rephrase it the way you said it. This is why I don't like meeting your girlfriends. Oh, yeah. <laughs> how did you say it? Do you remember how you said it? Uh, some, it was probably just like that, verbatim. Um, this is one of the reasons why I don't like meeting your girlfriends. Um, they... Do you remember the one you brought to my brother's wedding? Yep. <clears throat> I avoided her for as long as possible. They don't stick around. They don't stick around. So... so. Like, why would I, why do I get my hopes up? And, you know, same as me meeting this girl, the the daughter. The daughter. Um, it's like, I don't want to, I don't want to keep meeting these women, don't. getting to know them just to find out that they're gone in three right. months or a year. So folks, don't, do not introduce your boyfriend, girlfriend to their children, <clears throat> especially within the first year. And especially if the relationship is, is not stable. Um, you yeah, if you're do- already fighting... Yeah. It's not worth it. <laughs> You're going to do more damage, especially if the child is a minor, um, whether minor meaning six to eight or even in their teens. You're going to confuse them. And um, there may a, a bond may form between them. Like Sean just said, he formed a bond with this with her daughter. <clears throat> Excuse me. And now he's not in her life, but she wants to know where he is. It's not good for the child psychologically. So no, and to be honest, I feel like her stepdad. You know, I've been in this girl's life for six years. I've known her since she was one. I yeah. haven't really started FaceTiming with her until she was like four and a half. But since then, like you know, and even the child has some uh, speech delays and stuff, and I can tell that she was neglected in her own home because yeah. my ex and the father of that child, they were fighting all the time and they got physically abusive with each other. That means nobody was reading to the kid and nobody was taking care of her. Just as a side note, were either of them alcoholics or into drugs? No. Okay. Um, I mean, I can go into it with you later, but no, neither of them abused substances, mainly because their parents were big into substances. Okay. Okay, so... I ended the part one interview at that point. We kind of ran over time and my software kind of cut us off. Still learning this, folks. Anyway, this is the end of part one. So come back um, in a couple days. We're going to air part two. So I hope you enjoyed this segment with my son, Sean, for interesting um, similarities and Even I gained some new insight into his world and some of the things that he learned from me. So come back in a couple days and we will have the remainder of this uh, interview. Until then, folks, as I always say, if it feels good, do it. But please, please choose wisely. Ciao.